Hello and welcome to the Endgame Heroes podcast where two best friends talk about the things they love like movies, TV, and video games. My name is Kyle and as always I am joined by my co-host Jack. Hey, hi, how are you? Hello, hello. So up front this week I would like to send a formal apology to all of our listeners who had to suffer through our audio and technical issues last week. I was having some microphone issues, and we had some recording issues where it stopped suddenly. So hopefully this week everything is ironed out. We ran a few tests. Everything sounds good so far. So uh, everything should be good. So before we hop into our main topic for the week, we do have a little bit of housekeeping, just kind of talk and catch up for the week. Uh, what have you been up to, Jack? Um, yeah, so I've been playing a little bit of Destiny, as I always do, getting some raid clears under my belt, hoping to get that cool new shotgun, because it is both hot and cold, and I'm all about it. It looks so much fun. Um, it's the Tateroki of shotguns. Yeah, it quite literally is. It fires ice bullets that freeze targets, and then the second bullet will ignite them and set them on fire. So you literally freeze the world, and then... Uh, it's it's basically like hell freezing over, you know, it's just a bunch of fire and ice. It's very cool uh, and hot. And uh, let's see what else, you know, been watching some anime, also been watching, of course, things like The Mandalorian, uh, Ted Lasso, just watched the second episode of that last night. Um, yeah, you know, just kind of keeping caught up. Also saw Shazam 2 over the weekend, late over the weekend. Awesome. How you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Actually, almost exactly what you've done the last week, minus the Destiny stuff. I haven't touched Destiny since I beat the campaign. You actually texted me over the weekend. We're like, hey, let's raid. And I'm like, uh, what's the power level? Because I'm not there, I don't think. So I'm a scrub. I haven't played. Yeah, I've been busy with work and everything, getting ready for the baby. Uh, my dog had surgery last week. She had a mass removed off of her stomach. So I've had to kind of keep an eye on her uh, extra close the last few days. Me and my wife have had our hands full with that. So... Watched a lot of anime um, over the weekend. Last weekend, I watched uh, the entire new season of My Hero Academia, so I am all caught up. Season finale, yeah, season finale is this Saturday. I'm very excited. Uh, great season. Might be my overall like season favorite. Um, I don't think some of the highs reach some of the, like the season four highs, for example, overall. But like as a season, that's great. Yeah, no, I, I'm really happy with um, how the season overall took out. Last season, or maybe it was the season before that or a little bit of both, but I remember with a couple of the seasons or like a season and a half where I was really disappointed because they were really stretching things out without like necessarily putting filler in, but it was like filler adjacent. Like it was technically canon, but they just stretched it out so long. I don't know if that was because they were just trying to hit like a specific episode count or, you know, they're just like milking it for all it's worth. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to anime that like really take over and become like focal centerpieces of like Shonen Jump and things like that, I really want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they are, you know, they're not just trying to milk it. They're, they're putting like love and quality into it. And it didn't feel like that for a little while. And the season definitely feels better in that regards. Yeah. Um, just with like everything with, you know, like the the fights with the the professional heroes and the students, and then like this the aftermath of that. I'm I'm trying not to be spoiler. Oh, I don't. Um, but like some of the some of the characters that are introduced, like Lady Noggins, and like some of the the villains that we've seen before get reintroduced, and like getting some 
like like a revenge fight and just seeing how far some of the characters like have grown since then yeah was just super epic and like just it really it it it, it reminds me of like some of the hype levels that i felt that i haven't really felt since like goku versus jiren yeah <laughs> for anyone that follows like dragon ball super you know this reminds me i think it's what they've been building to for years uh you know setting up deku and shigaraki i felt like when they finally get to go at it this year like that's your goku frieza fight that's been building forever it was really cool but like you said there were also those side fights going on that were really interesting as well but yeah i'm very happy with it it was last season was season five and that was the one that was kind of boring until the end season four did have the over uh, the overall overhaul arc with Aerie. so that was like the first half so i think you're right about a season and a half worth of like not quite filler but not the most exciting stuff and just yeah, it felt like yeah, I mean, like you said, it was in the manga, like uh, the school festival. That is a actual arc in the manga, but it just didn't feel right. And like with the uh, the gentleman villain guy, it was just kind of boring. Um, this was great. Even the post fight, like the as a whole second half of the season was just like the fallout, and it was still very interesting. So I'm excited to see where season seven goes. I know the manga is still going strong, even though there have been rumors it's ending. I did see a quote that they're going to go at least in their year. Yeah, I I haven't uh, seen that quote specifically, so I can't attest to that. But I, I would definitely say, like, you know, in terms... Because, like, these chapters, they come out, you know, once a week. And then, you know, every now and again, there's a break, whether it's, like, a holiday break, a prepared break, because, you know, they work themselves to death over there putting these things out, and that's not healthy. Um, so, like, you know, like, let's say on, like, a good year where nothing crazy happens, you're getting, like, 40-something chapters per year just because of like the schedule so you know some people might hear that and of like oh yeah there's at least another year going forward it's like but whenever you really break it down of like how much happens in a chapter and how many chapters we're likely to get it really isn't all that much that's left um we're definitely like right now in the manga it is like really gearing towards the climax of this final arc and yeah, it definitely, I know that they've gone on record um, stating that, like, this is the final arc of the series and it's going to be ending soon. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, like, you know, the one, it's, it's definitely bittersweet, you know, like, I want to see the resolution. I want to be able to wrap a bow on this and be able to have it, you know, over and done with. Um, but it's also sad just because, you know, it's also going to join the likes of thing like other really good series that have mm. left just such a prominent role. Like, you've got, like, the big ones like Bleach and Naruto, and then you've got like some really like stellar like Full Metal Alchemist Brother mm-hmm. and like with Brotherhood that was the anime version, but Full, Al- Full Metal Alchemist, yeah. Um, and then like even some of the recent things like Demon Slayer, like that series like is is over, you know. Or Attack on Titan, Attack on Titan, another big one. Like those series have been over for uh multiple years now, I believe at this point, and. You know, like, I've read them, you know, and I enjoyed those stories so much, but, like, you know, we're still now getting anime of those respective things. Attack on Titan, they're definitely drawing out, but uh, it just, it's a little sad because it's, it's, I feel like there's not quite as much of, like, sort of, like, a new generation to come in to replace a lot of, like, sort of the old guard that is retiring, Um a couple yeah. that I do think are are definitely worth in that like sort of like shown in vein 
Um, two standouts, uh, both from the same studio, are uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, mm-hmm. which is uh, anime-wise still very new. They've only had one season in a movie, but it's it's gone quite a bit further in the manga. And then um, by the same studio, animation studio, uh, Chainsaw Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is also like very much still in that like same flavor or vein of like dude has to like beat up monsters or devils or you know curse spirits, villains, whatever. You know, it's the same McGoober for everything. Um, but then uh, also low key, I do want to shout this out because we just got a preview, and then I'll stop rambling. <laughs> um, we just got the latest announcement from A1, which does, famously, they do uh, Sword Art Online and then also the Fate series. Um, they are animating the solo leveling anime adaptation, which is a extremely popular uh, Korean manhwa, the equivalent of a manga from Japan. Uh, and it is one of the most hype series. It, again, the series is completely done. It's full artwork. You can go online and find chapters of solo leveling. Um, it has spawned so many similar like archetypes of of uh, stories in the like similar vein to it. And it is just such a good, awesome like power fantasy of a uh, read and. We're getting that anime starting now this uh, winter, they said. Very nice. And I'm very, very excited. Very much looking forward to it. The wife is also super excited for this. I've got a group of friends in Utah that I got into solo leveling. I peer pressured them into it, and I sent them all the trailer whenever it dropped. So very, very excited awesome. for it. Yeah, um, I hadn't heard of that, so I'll have to keep an eye out. Um, but to wrap up like my week, um, I did finish the Creed series. I didn't watch Creed 3 yet. I haven't had a chance to go to the theater, but I did watch Creed 2, and I, I do agree with you. Uh, I did enjoy the movie. I would give it like a, a whole point lower, though, than the first Creed. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy the first Creed a lot. I, I don't think I would give it the 9 that you gave it. I'd probably be closer to the 8, um, but it was really good. Uh, the music in it, you know, the way Ryan Coogler directs movies, I just vibe with. Then the second one, I would have probably liked more, but the middle of the movie kind of fell off for me. It was kind of drug out a bit too long. But I thought the fights were very well done. And Michael B. Jordan, I thought, really fell into the role more. So when I get the chance to see Creed 3, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I have been watching, like you said as well, Ted Lasso and The Mandalorian. I haven't watched episode two of Ted Lasso yet. Actually, as soon as this is done, my wife and I are going to watch it. Uh, you're in your West Coast time, so you get to watch them the night before where they drop pretty late here for me. So, uh, That's right, East Coast. I did watch the Mandalorian episode three today, which I doubt you've watched that one yet. I haven't had the chance to. Yeah. No, that'll be when the missus gets home. Yep. So we're kind of reversed there, but uh, it was good. So that's all I'll say. And um, the the main topic that we have for you guys this week, and it's going to start with uh, Jack's you know Shazam two review her, review here in a second. But uh, now that the uh, the Snyderverse, the DCEU is kind of coming to a close. Um, we do have Aquaman 2 still to come, but really most of the previous projects from the DC extended universe, Snyderverse, whatever you want to call it, have wrapped. Um, we thought we'd give our thoughts, you know, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. We've already talked, you know, in a previous episode about what we want to see moving forward with James Gunn. But this way we can kind of just reflect over the last 10 or so years of the movies that we got and certain things worked and certain things didn't. So, I think it'd be a fun little topic once Jack gives us his review of Shazam Fury of the Gods. 
Yeah, so Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I saw this movie Monday night. Um, so not quite opening weekend, but still very, very close to it. Um, I believe it, if you're not counting myself and my wife, there were three other people in the theater. It doesn't surprise me. The box office numbers were terrible. Yeah, even the most conservative. And like, by the way, I can go on a, a, tire, a, a tangent just ranting about how inaccurate and how like just BS um, movie tracking is whenever you're talking about like, oh, it's expected to do this on the weekend without it being out. And like, it's just projections. It's literally people at a dartboard. There's no like sort of like credibility behind it. So don't put a lot of, you know, weight behind anything that you see for that. Um, but like even the conservative estimates for what people were thinking was going to do, it bottomed out like far below that, which I think is telling of a few different things um, as far as, and we'll come back to that once I kind of talk about the movie itself, spoiler free. So if you're wanting to go see the movie, you know, hopefully this just kind of sets your expectations um, without like spoiling anything. Um, the... The movie itself, I think, is not as bad as what the box office is making it out to be. It is a movie. It has a lot of tropes and uh, just sort of, you know, like kind of pretty easy to easy to write or easy to, to see um, plot lines within it. There's not really a whole lot of guessing for the most part. Um the the villains Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu and then one other character that I'm not going to say because it's I'm like a minor spoiler but like you talk about like a phoned in performance mm -hmm. and it it's very sad because like we're talking about Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu like these are really good actresses you know like they kill it they're really good and it like it just like obviously you know whenever you're dealing with a superhero movie the villains oftentimes don't really matter they don't get a whole lot of devotion or attention and, you know, whenever you're dealing with a movie like this where it's an ensemble cast, it's even more so the case. But, man, they just, they they really waffled with, like, wasting these two actresses in this type of a role. Like, the, we're talking, like, the daughters of Atlas. Like, we're, we're talking, like, gods or demigods, however you want to classify it. Like, think about how, like, lame it would be if you're watching a movie about Hercules, the son of Zeus... And he's just like this super blank one note character with no depth to him at all. And it's just it it it's that that hurts a little bit. Um the acting overall by like the 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 both the children and then like the adult sh like Shazam versions of each of them, I thought it was fine. Um there were a couple of instances where like like in the first Shazam movie I thought that um the Freddy character really stole the show every like every scene that he was in I like he was just very funny hitting pretty much everything hit and landed for me um this up this movie episode <laughs> this movie um it wasn't so much Freddy but Darla which is like okay. one of the the like younger sisters yeah. she was really the one that I think was like the standout performance or standout role um both in the child and in a couple of scenes that she was in like the adult version I thought both uh, did really well um, I think they also had probably the least amount of disconnect between the two um, you know like the adult version still felt like 
the child version in terms of sort of like personality, tone, mannerisms, things like that. Whereas this is, yeah, this is still the second movie where I don't know where where the disconnect really lies, but like I just don't believe that Billy Batson is Shazamming into the Zachary Levi version of Shazam. They are two completely different people. Like it is, it is bipolar, and like I, I'm not trying to take away from it because I really like Zachary Levi as Shazam, and I actually really like um the main. I think his name is like Asher. Aiden or something I'll have to look that up but like it, it's cool it's a cool alliteration for it very comic booky um who plays Billy Batson and I actually really like his Billy Batson as well but they're just like they're from the wrong timelines for each other like this Billy Batson should be turning into like a, a slightly more serious Shazam and like the Shazam that we have should definitely be coming from a much more like wide-eyed like it should be freddy essentially in terms of sort of like the personality type and like you know it's like oh i'm a superhero i like fought alongside like batman or superman and all of these different things it's it's very much like it feels like the wires got crossed in that regard um cg wise i thought was pretty good special effects wise um i thought like the fights were actually pretty cool um because here's the thing, you know, I've I've harped on a lot of things that this movie didn't really do that well. But one thing that it did very well is what I think is the most important thing for a Shazam story. Um, and that is a story, like, truly of a family. Um, what You know, and like your found family specifically, you know, like these, it's pretty much always the case where he is like a foster child or adopted in. And it's, you know, him trying to find his sense of belonging with them. Um, and it hits it really well in in this sequel. Um, so much so that there were actually a couple of points where I teared up uh, because they they really nailed home the importance of it and like just sort of the the emotional gravity to it. There were a couple of uh, points specifically where yeah, I thought they did a really good job. Um, there was one scene that I was I was so relieved they cut from the trailer. Uh, that was not in the movie like it's uh, like this was from like a trailer that they played to death so like the one where he like throws um a truck at a dragon and like Zachary Levi's like I like threw a truck at a dragon I love my life they cut that it just did not fit tonally with the sequence and that was really good because it was just so cringy and it's just such an overplayed um not trope but like literary device where you just you narrate the thing that you just did for comedic value and it's just it's just it's very it's very like i'm in high school writing a short story in the dark of my bedroom with like evanescence playing like it's just very like that type of of feel um so i'm very glad that they took that out and then um there i i would say though overall i think most of the jokes landed for me i would say like in stark contrast to, I think, the last, you know, superhero comedy type of thing being Ant-Man, um, I would say that Shazam was significantly funnier than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I'd say probably 80 to 85% of the jokes landed for me. And they assault you with the humor. And, like, rightly so. Like, these are teenagers and children turning into superheroes. Like, of course they're gonna, like, make pop culture references and jokes and things like that. And most of them land. Uh, which I was thankful for. Otherwise, it would have just been like, I'd probably be blind right now from how hard my eyes would have rolled like throughout the movie if it were otherwise, you know? But So uh, how 
how would you compare it to the first one? Because I know we talked before about how we both really enjoyed the first Shazam. Um, I would, you know, be somewhere between the eight point five to nine for Shazam, the original. I really enjoyed it. Um, how would how would you rate this one in comparison? In comparison to the first Shazam movie, I think overall it is a step down. Um, but I do think that they did some things better um, in terms of like not even necessarily scope, but like the overall like story and the the like sort of like the gravity of the fights that they're dealing with. Um, and then uh, and again, just like so importantly, like the the family story that is happening in the background. I think they did that better than in the first uh, Shazam movie because, like, you know, it's been like a couple of years, so like he's like really a part of the family, but he's still trying to find his place and like where he fits into everything, and you know, he's trying to keep everyone together. And I think that they did in that aspect. I think they did better than the first. So it's overall like I'd probably like give it a little bit of a ding. Uh, in terms of of comparing the two one for one, um, but I I wouldn't say that I was disappointed seeing it. Uh, oh, like, it wasn't a waste of my time. If you had to like rank it out of ten, like your normal review scale, where would you probably put it? They know again, you rated the first one pretty high. I'm not sure if you ever scored that in your head. Um, I said a nine out loud. That seems too high for that movie. I think the eight point five to eight is probably the better spot, but. You know, being a shining example of what the, you know, DC was, I I did enjoy it. So I think at least an eight for me, if not that 8.5 to nine. Yeah. So for the first Shazam movie, I, I would probably give it like, I would give it like a critical seven, but a DC nine. <laughs> okay. If that, yeah. if, if, if you'll, you know, kind of go with me on that and. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, uh, with that in mind, I would probably give Shazam 2, like, a critical 6. So, like, again, like, that's that's fine. You know, a 5 is just, like, right there in the middle, like, you're no better or worse. This is above that. I'm slightly better off for watching this movie. Like, again, it made me tear up. Um, and then DC-wise, I would give it, like, a, a solid 8 in terms of what we've gotten all right well i think uh that's the perfect segue to kind of like talk about the dc past as a whole a little bit uh one last note you know before we move on we mentioned earlier this was a box office flop for the first weekend there were you know a few contributing factors to it you know i i do think the overall superhero fatigue has kicked in uh to the overall audience dc never pulls the, the crowd like marvel does yeah, but even ant-man did pretty bad at the box office overall. So I think uh, that had a big part to play with it. Also too, with black Adam being more of a recent movie and uh, being very similar to Shazam, you know, he's supposed to be the villain of Shazam essentially, which Wayne, the rock Johnson didn't want that apparently. And there's some things going around that Zachary Levi had said that the rock basically blocked him out of that movie and that he blocked out those characters from being his movie. So there's some internal drama going on with that, and who knows, you know, what the potential could have been. I, I do think they made some interesting choices overall with the marketing. I felt the first one nailed the tone better. You know, when I first heard Shazam was coming out to the big screen, they were like, hey, it's 1978's Christopher, Do- Christopher Reeves, Richard Donner Superman. 
mixed with big. And that's all you needed to know. And that's what that movie was. It was a good time. And this movie, I, it's all about the family, which is fine. You know, I, I respect what they did. I enjoyed the family in the first one. I liked the idea of elaborating on that. But it, it did have, you know, a low box office return. I'm assuming next week it's going to have an even bigger drop off than normal because we have John Wick 4 coming out, which is still riding that 94% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's, you know, it's going to do very well this coming weekend at the box office. I believe so. So, but yeah, um, looking back on the last, what is it? 10 or 11 years now since it started. And I know man of steel was our kickoff point. Is that 2011? That was that. So man of steel. So the, the DCEU officially kicked off in 2013 because of how badly the green lantern movie did. Um, because that was initially going to be the, the starting point for it, but it did so badly that they had to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so June 14th, 2013, Man of Steel released, uh, and it grossed worldwide 668. million, which back in 2013, those are pretty good numbers. Those are solid the, the winning yeah. numbers. Especially like so Chris Nolan was involved with that movie. Obviously, Zack Snyder was the director. I believe he wrote the movie, but Christopher Nolan was one of the executive producers. It very much felt like a sequel to the Dark Knight trilogy. The, the tones that was shot at, like the color grading, the the lack of emotion, of like the happy emotion. Um, my biggest critique of that movie was not one time does Clark or Superman ever smirk, smile, or anything. Um, that was one of the biggest things to gripe about, but I do want to start off right away I don't think there's ever been a better trailer or a set of trailers than Man of Steel had for their original teaser trailer. They had the Jarrell trailer and they had the Jonathan Kent trailer mirroring each other. And I still think to this day that's probably the greatest superhero trailer ever made. Yeah, especially with the Hans Zimmer music oh, too, the mm-hmm. background. Like and like, yeah, a Man of Steel, you know, we we've talked about like a lot of the the things that we thought they did wrong with Man of Steel, you know, like with uh, Pa Kent and mm-hmm. the Twister and like all of these other things. but and, and like, yeah, with what you're saying too, like there's no like sort of like jovial, like happy protectorness yeah. of Superman that we really see in that movie. Um, One thing though that I think they did really well was really just showing the devastating potential and like, fear that people would rightly have of kryptonians like the fights when whenever like zod and his crew have like have really like started to embrace their powers and they're duking it out with superman and like like the the military and and like just like normies in that movie they might as well be flies trying to take yeah. down a giant and i think they did that very well of just showcasing how terrifying that would be and they also like Moving a little bit forward, uh, I do want to uh, say a couple more things about Man of Steel because I think that's probably the standout overall besides Shazam. Um, but Batman versus Batman versus Superman started off with that same fight from Bruce's perspective, seeing Zod and Superman fight in the air, destroying Metropolis, and that was a great start to that movie that ended up being a train wreck overall. But like, I like the perspective that this Batman had been a hero for years without powers sees this and he's like oh no what do i do this is terrible but yeah uh my other favorite part of man of steel i actually think it's my overall favorite thing of the entire dcu is the end of man of steel um we've talked about before how we're big fans of superman smallville and uh the moment when clark has to kill zod 
Um, it's a it's a polarizing opinion. Uh, I see a lot of people on the internet not, don't like this scene, but you know, Superman kills Zod because he has to. Zod literally tells him, "I will not stop. I will kill everyone if you don't kill me now." And when he breaks his neck and screams in agony. That's the best acting I've seen Henry Cavill ever. It was so good. Yeah, it was, it definitely was powerful. And yeah, like you were saying, you know, very polarizing, divisive type of topic to see Superman like get really dark like mm-hmm. that. But like, you know, in the tone of this movie, it made sense. And like, yeah, you could tell like just the way he just screams and you see like the veins in his neck bulging out. Like he, it just like it killed him to, to do that. And that is one thing that I, I I do think that they did very well uh, in that regard as well, of, of just showing how much that broke a little something inside of him. There were a couple small tweaks to be made in that movie where we could have had something really special and then maybe have had an entirely different outlook. I think, you know, DC and Warner Brothers at that time were trying to play catch up to Marvel because, though you said Man of Steel was 2013, 2012 was the first Avengers movie. So Marvel's already had, you know, almost five years of good, good luck going or good fortune going for them and building in, you know, this huge box office success with the Avengers. So they're like, hey, how do we establish a universe and build as fast as we can? And they took the foundation of Man of Steel to build upon that, which wasn't a terrible idea. It's the first time we see superpowers into this world. How does the world react and then go on? So not terrible idea but where they messed up is with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice right there from the get-go terrible title you know like what were they thinking and bringing Batman in sure I was fine with that aspect of it but adding Wonder Woman as a main cast member I say main even though she's really only in the end and then having the cameos of all the other heroes that we'll be seeing in years to come it was way too much for a movie and then then there is the Lex Luthor of it all which was very weirdly done. I'm not a fan of that portrayal from Jesse Eisenberg. And then you have Doomsday to top it all off. Like that is a cluster of a movie, and it should that there there was enough in that movie for three movies, but they we got what we got. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that. I'd say that we had uh, more than three movies worth yeah. of, of information there. You know, we had uh, just straight up like a formation of the Justice League. Uh, we had a Batman v Superman. Like what? That alone could have been an entire movie of just them, mm-hmm. you know, like the story of them duking it out and like coming to understand each other and realize that they were on the same side. That's an entire movie. And that stuff wasn't badly done either. I actually thought it was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then like there was so much that they shoehorned, like they had to shoehorn in Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller and like all of these different things. And one of the big things that that really just like they they really just kind of neutered themselves was that they tried to introduce these iconic characters with just like these small little things to so that they could essentially like get to dessert without going through the appetizer or the main course you know you talked about how like avengers had come out the year previously and like that was an ensemble group it set the world on fire Mm -hmm. people were saying like oh we'll never get an avengers (laughs) It's too big. That's too outrageous of a scope to ever like dream of. And we got it and it slayed. And the thing that's really important to remember is that we had five movies before that. We had two Iron Man, a Captain America, a Hulk, and a Thor movie, like introducing these characters 
And we also got our introduction to Hawkeye, Black Widow, uh, Nick Fury, like these other really important secondary characters that became full-fledged Avengers in their own right. But like we had whole movies dedicated to their introduction, which, you know, a, a lot of times now you'll hear complaints about like origin stories and like, you know, let's speed it up. Let's get to the meat of it. But whenever you're first building out the foundational groundwork to uh, try to support a franchise um, as big and large as this, like you need to you need to have like some backstory, like yeah. especially for characters that people like mainstream people don't understand because like again any normie off the street can pick batman out of a lineup and they can tell you like a little bit about batman and like you know who he is he's a guy that dresses up as a bat his parents were murked and like he holds on to that and like he tries to make his city a better place and he doesn't have powers but he has money like most people can tell you that uh whereas like you know pre-2008 I'd be shocked if you could find more than, like, if you just grabbed 20 people off the street, I'd be shocked if you could find more than three people that could tell you anything about Iron Man. Yeah, even who Iron Man's name was, like, Tony Stark. Would they even know that? Probably not. Speaking of Batman and his family being murdered, like, we literally got, for the probably sixth time on cinema screen, the introduction to Bruce and his parents being killed. And I was like, why are they doing this? And then we realized later in the movie why they did it. Because they use Martha as the main plot device for that movie. It was just sloppy. It was all over the place. When we finally get the cameos of Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg, it's literally an email that has videos attached that Diana opens on her laptop. The writing was god-awful, and there are a select few moments in that movie that are pretty cool. But besides that, it was awful. And I had a very bad time watching that movie on the big screen. So um, we were living in Indiana still. I was super excited. We bought matching t-shirts, me and my wife. You know, I had, it was like Batman on one, but like the face was like painted over with Superman and then the vice versa on hers was the uh, opposite. Oh, it was cool. They were really cool. I still have them somewhere. And uh, we, we, I, you know, as soon as the tickets went live, I, you know, I pre-ordered them, got my seats. I thought I was back row middle. No, I was front row middle for IMAX 3D. And uh, that was one of them. It hurt. I had a headache. And like I was looking forward to that movie when the action would stop because of the 3D and not being able to really see it. So it was one of the worst experiences I'd ever had in the theater. So we went back and saw it a week later to make sure we weren't stupid for not liking the movie. Because we thought it was just the screen experience. No, it was really that bad. And even her, as you say, a normie, like she's like, why, why? I don't, I don't get it. She thought it would be cool to see Wonder Woman on the big screen, which was handled okay, you know. But overall, I just kind of, it just kind of flubbed. But I don't want to be too negative on everything because I feel like we could just slam them for hours upon end as the franchise as a whole. But like, what did you like about that movie? Um, I liked the team up with the, like the main like trifecta against doomsday at the end. I think that should have been a justice league movie or like a man of steel two movie. Um, but I like the overall fight itself. I thought was, was, you know, pretty cool. You know, it had them all doing what they could to stop this abominational horror. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back cause I haven't watched Dawn of justice or, 
I don't think I've watched that since before um, the Justice League came out. Like I watched it as just sort of like a refresher because my wife hadn't seen it. Um, so it's been a, a couple of years, but I'm trying to remember anything I, else. I watched yeah, the I, Ultimate Edition before the Snyder Cut came out and I refresh it because the Ultimate Edition added like 30 minutes of extra footage. Yeah, so we watched that and yeah. it was definitely better because yeah. of that. Um, so like if you're going through and you're watching all of these movies, whenever you get to Batman v Superman, definitely watch the Ultimate Edition because although it makes it a little bit longer, it definitely adds a lot more context yeah. for a lot of the storylines. Um, and yeah, it just, yeah, you know, it's they, I, I didn't mind uh, Batfleck at all, really. I thought like, it's just like Batman has been done so many times. I don't care what the interpretation is. Like, I don't even care that this is a Batman that is, like, murdering people at this point because that is kind of just the tone that they've set for the universe. So it's like, okay, this is the Batman that we have right now. Cool. Like, let's move on. Um, And I thought, like, the fight choreos were really well done with him, too. Like, whenever he was, like, taking down those guys in the warehouse, whenever Martha was taken hostage, I thought that was so sick. Like, that was such an epic power fantasy. Yeah, I think until we got, you know, Pattinson for the Batman, you know, last year, I think that's the best Batman has ever looked on screen in motion. You know, like it was very like Batman Arkham Asylum esque with the way he moved. And, you know, I think in certain aspects, it still beats Robert Pattinson's Batman because like, they're so different, right? Pattinson was much stiffer and like had like the armored suit uh, more so, where this Batman was in a cloth suit basically. He was agile, he was strong, he was brutal. Like it was really well done. But it, and it it didn't even in the context of the movie. It almost didn't even make sense why he was doing it. Like, yeah. it was just there to be cool. Yeah. Oh, like and then like yeah. Like I mean, you're talking about like in that same movie, he also gets like an Iron Man suit so <laughs> that he can like punch Superman. And it's just like, guys, you gotta you gotta stop and you gotta realize what makes DC special and separate from Marvel and like lean into those things. Like this is not the way you cannot just make a black and white version of Iron Man with bat ears on yeah. top and expect the money to roll it. Yep. You got to lay down the groundwork. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, expecting the money to roll in, uh, <laughs> suicide squad, the first one. Oh man. Yeah. That was a movie, right? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It's a movie that, uh, people are somehow demanding the air cut uh, of that movie. Uh, yeah, we had Jared Leto's Joker, which I honestly didn't hate as much as most people did. I didn't enjoy it. I mean, but for what they were going for, I thought Jared Leto did a good job. Um, it that's not the Joker I wanted to see, but you know, we have Margot Robbie as Harley for the first time, which has been a very good Harley Quinn for every appearance she's made. And uh, Will Smith was Will Smith in that movie. He didn't play Floyd Lawton; he played Will Smith, and that was my issue with that movie: is he played himself too much. Um, we got one of the most comical things in any movie I've ever seen in that movie, which is the ending when they're trying to stop, you know, Cara Delevingne's uh, character and they're throwing like the bomb and it's like slow motion. It reminded me of Family Guy, how when Family Guy overcommits to a joke, you know, it goes on forever. It's not funny. Then it goes on longer. Then it's funny again. And then it's not funny. And then it's funny again. Like that was that moment because it literally lasts like a minute and a half of slow motion while they all slowly moved to try and blow up a bomb. It was terrible. And I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. Um, honestly, yeah. You know, if we're talking about 
things that like because that was the initial topic right things that we liked the it's more like a reflection right yeah, like, yeah okay yeah that's fair we've definitely lost a little bit of it things that i liked out of the suicide squad margot robbie is clearly the standout yeah as harley quinn i hope from the bottom of my heart that you know she can continue to portray that character in some fashion moving forward into like the the dcu with james gunn obviously you know I felt that way about Henry Cavill and like, look what happened to him. And so I totally understand if that is not the case, whether it is like from the production side of like, oh, we just, we need a clean break with basically everyone to start fresh or, uh, you know, maybe like Margot Robbie is just like, you know, I feel like I've told the stories that I want to tell and like, I'm going to move on. But, um, I think that, uh, that is like definitely the biggest standout for like yeah. good things out of it. Um, and then, like, obviously, I guess, like, I'm glad that it happened because it meant that we got the Suicide Squad yeah. and Peacemaker. So, like, you know, you, you talk about, you know, kind of a rags to riches type yeah. scenario. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, there's people that, that. People that are arguing for the air cut, like, I'll, I'll, give me, like, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you to do, James Gunn at the DCU. I want you to take all of the footage. I could go go ahead and go through the motions. Get the air cut. Make it a thing, but then put it onto one disc and then completely erase everything else so that there is absolutely no proof that it exists aside from this one single Blu-ray disc that has the only copy of the air cut. Give it to me and then send me on a trip to Hawaii for a vacation with my wife. And I'm gonna throw it into a volcano. <laughs> that is what I think. Of. I did. I, I wasn't sure where you were going with that one. I'm not gonna lie. I took you on a little adventure. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's the thing that you're always gonna get with me. I'm I'm unpredictable and chaotic. Storyteller. I also want to go to. I also want to go to Hawaii, and I think this would be a great way to make that happen. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, speaking of the air cuts, you know, we got the the air cut came upon us because of the Snyder cut. Um, so a little context for those who don't know, I'm assuming most listeners would, who would listen to this podcast, but like Zack Snyder directed Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, and then Justice League. And in during post-production, his, his daughter committed suicide. He wasn't able to finish the post-production. So they brought in Joss Whedon, who directed the Avengers and Age of Ultron, who finished that. And he had reshoots. Um, so I remember hearing that and thinking, oh, yes. The Justice League movie is now going to be saved. There's the, the levity that we needed for these characters. It's going to be bright and funny and colorful. And we got the movie we got. And mm -hmm. the, the reshoots were very evident what was reshot. Um, you had Henry Cavill, who contractually had to keep a full mustache slash beard going on for Mission Impossible Fallout, which in retrospect, he made the right choice, right? That movie's exactly. so much better. Yeah. So we got Snyder out of it. We got Joss Whedon in. We got a terrible movie. I really, it's a rough movie. I have nothing really to say about it that's positive. Um, other than it is brighter and colorful, but not good. And then we eventually get the Snyder cut because fans demanded it almost as a joke. I feel like at first, like Greg Miller from Kind of Funny, I feel like was a champion of the Snyder cut. And when they actually announced it was coming, I'm like, how many people did this man pay to get this movie, right? Because 
it shouldn't exist, but it did, and it actually wasn't bad. Like, I actually kind of liked it. I liked the way they were going, and if I had an alternate, like, path to go down for DC Elseworlds, I wouldn't mind seeing those sequels done, even if they were, like, animated for. I, I kind of liked the story they were doing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, if you, you want to talk Justice League, I, I, I do want to mention real quick, uh, Wonder Woman came out before Justice League. Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman was great. That was fantastic. Gal Gadot proved that she like had absolutely had the chops to be like the forefront of a movie franchise of like this action hero, super empowering, super cool to watch, very charismatic. You had Chris Pine in that. Uh, you know, honestly, like Wonder Woman was really kind of like the turnaround, yeah, both in ratings and in like a lot of like fans. Of like, oh, like this is sick. This is what the DCU could be. Um, so like, you know, moving on. Nothing but good things to say about Wonder Woman. That was fantastic and truly just lightning in a bottle, as we'll get yeah. to whenever we cover the sequel. Uh Justice League, yeah. I really the only thing that I can think of that I think I really enjoyed out of the Justice League was the fight whenever they resurrected Superman between all of the leaguers and how Superman was just tossing them around like mm-hmm. ragdolls. And you had that moment where, like, the Flash, you know, goes into the speed force in the slow-mo, and you see his eyes just track, and, like, he's able to keep up with the fastest, like, being in the universe at this point. And, like, just, like, that entire fight of, again, just showing how devastatingly powerful and terrifying Kryptonians are, I thought was really well done. That's one thing that I'll give the DCU. They've done a really good job of, like, portraying, like, how strong Kryptonians are. And then, like, who was the villain in Justice League? Steppenwolf? Steppenwolf. Is that it? Yeah, Steppenwolf. Yeah. And like I remember when I saw like the behind the scenes for that movie, I read interviews, but the guy who played Steppenwolf never even met the actor on set. He was never even there. Like, and you can tell it just it's not good. Um, you know, it is what it is. We got the weird version of Darkseid with the Snyder cut. Um, I do think the Snyder cut's decent. I like I said I would have liked to see where they went with that like the post credit tease of that where you see the future and like the Joker and stuff like it was interesting. Yeah, funnily enough, actually thinking about that because I watched the Justice League Sny- like the Snyder cut with uh my my boss and friend at the time and his wife and my wife we had them over for like I guess like a double date type of thing where we watched it and we had pizza. That's a weird Dane movie. Uh, well, you know, like, we're all fans of this, so it's like, hey, do you guys, like, want to come over and, like, watch this movie? I figure we could, like, order pizza and just hang out for the night. And they're like, yeah, like, it's just a fun, like, hangout thing. And we noticed pretty early on in the movie that the easiest way to tell what was new and what wasn't was any of the new sequences were always accompanied by sort of, like, a weird chanting music <laughs> that was happening. And uh, so if you go back and you watch the Snyder Cut now, which it's on HBO, I'm pretty sure. So you yeah. can totally do that uh, for the low, low price of a subscription or a free trial. And, uh, you know, you'll you'll be able to tell exactly what I mean. Anytime it's something that is definitively the Snyder Cut that is added onto it, it's got like this weird tribal chanting going along. And that's how you can always pick out. It's like, ah, this was something that they shot or like they reshot or added in later. And. Um, you know, touching on kind of what you had talked about with like the director stuff, and, you know, obviously tragic, the the loss that Zack Snyder and his wife and his family went with in that, um, you know, you, you never hope for anything like that to happen. And 
you know, you like you, you know, Joss Whedon coming in. It's like, okay, let's see what happens here if things really change tonally or directionally. But, you know, we're we're in post-production. There's only so much they can do with reshoots, you know, without just making a new movie. So I wasn't expecting, like, a whole lot to change. And I think at this point, like, some of the cracks had started to show with Whedon. Um, just because, like, I feel like Ultron just did not hit the same way that Avengers 1 did. And then, like, you kind of find out a lot of other things with Whedon after the fact that's like, oh, maybe he's not, like, very great of a person and he's kind of canceled. Uh, is he kind of canceled now? I feel like he's kind of canceled. Oh, yeah, I think I haven't seen him do anything since Age of Ultron uh, because of that. Like, after all the stories came out with Justice League and, like, Gal Gadot and, like, uh, Ray Fisher, how he treated them on set, it apparently wasn't good at all. He had, you know, had told all kinds of nasty things to Gal. Um, I think... I, I don't know the full details off the top of my head, so I don't want to like say in the out of term, but it was it wasn't a good engagement. Yeah, definitely. It's um yeah, obviously, you know, we can only get, you know, from word of mouth or any reports that come out. We weren't there, so like we don't know all of it, but like, you know, listening to the overwhelming majority of people all like come together and agree and be like, hey, this dude like sucks. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's like I'm I'm glad that, you know, he's out. And that we can try to move forward. And uh, I think that takes us into Aquaman. All right. So uh, Aquaman, uh, Jason Momoa, you know, carrying over from Justice League. I, ah. I, Oprah. I, I wasn't the, the biggest fan of the movie overall. I thought the stuff later in the movie when he went to like the deep area was pretty cool. Overall, I thought the movie was kind of lackluster. Made a bunch of money, though. So good for them for mm -hmm. making some money. Um, any actual thoughts in the movie, though? Uh, I thought they actually did a pretty good job with, like, the water special mm -hmm. effects. Um, I, I think water is really hard to do, especially, like, underwater, and I thought they did it pretty well. I also actually, I was a fan of Black Manta in that as well. Okay. I'm kind of sad that we haven't gotten more of them. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on the opposite side. I didn't enjoy his performance. I thought it was almost laughable at times. Like, I had to watch Aquaman in two sittings a month apart because I didn't enjoy the movie and Black Manta was part of that problem. So I uh, respectfully disagree on that one. Well, I, I'm not going to fight you very hard on it because like at the end of the day, you know, it like granted, you know, it made a, a bunch of money and like, yeah, it's kind of like the turnaround for like the DC and like it's with the meme character of Aquaman. So like, it's like, you know, it's yeah. it deservedly so it had some cool sequences um, after that was the first Shazam movie, which we already talked about, yep. you know, overall pretty positive, really good movie did not make near as much as I think they should have. Yeah. You know, Aquaman made a billion dollars. Shazam made 364 million. I, that's wrong. Um, Birds of Prey. Yeah. Birds of Prey was fine. You know, uh, we got more Harley Quinn, you know, uh, Margot Robbie again, did a very good job. I thought the movie was solid. You know, the black mask villain, we had, you know, Ewan McGregor. Play. I thought it was a really good movie. It didn't seem to set, set the world on fire at all. It didn't do a lot at the box office. No one talks about it anymore, especially now that we got the Suicide Squad. I feel like it's just kind of forgotten, and I don't think we'll ever see those plot threads continued. Probably not, and I think, you know, a part of that is that Birds of Prey is a victim of circumstance. One, they went through several name changes leading up to the release. Like, it was originally, like, Harley Quinn and like the fan or like Birds of Prey colon the Fantastical Emancipation something yeah. something of Harley Quinn. So like it was just a mouthful. They changed it to just Birds of Prey. So that alone already is going to logistically affect 
like the sales of tickets whenever you're trying to market this thing. It also came out about a month before COVID really took off in America. So like it, it, you, you want to talk about a movie getting its legs cut out from under them. Like that is an asterisk that should always be remembered for any movie that tried to come out in like the beginning of 2020. It's like, you've got bad boys, Sonic and birds of prey mm. and uh, the, the awful Vin Diesel bloodshot movie oh, that, that unfortunately ended up being the last movie I saw in theaters for a very long time because COVID happened to the next weekend. And I saw that with my boss, the same bosses that I saw the Snyderverse. That's funny. And it's like, it's like, you know, there are a couple of cool things in this, but like, I'm really, I'm like, I didn't know it at the time. It's like, I'm really sad that that was the last movie that I saw in theaters. I would have much preferred it to have been onward the week before. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, then uh, so after that we got a true COVID movie with Wonder Woman 1984, which released on HBO Max, which is the biggest letdown I feel like the DC Snyder cut or Snyderverse, sorry, gave us because you like you said, Wonder Woman was great. 1984 is a bad movie all around. Uh, I have really no nice things to say about that movie. I laughed out loud where I'm supposed to be crying towards the end. It was it was bad. Yeah, and he, you, yeah, talk about a fall from grace because Wonder Woman was like the highest of the highs, and then they just went to like not lowest of the lows, but like really low, like in comparison to where they were. You know, like they wasted Pedro Pascal, who just like is just at the top of everyone's list right now because of how awesome he is, and like clearly he's an amazing actor as we've seen, and so like just a waste of potential there. They wasted, I thought, like what could have been a cool character with Kristen Wiig in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, I actually really like her as an actress. She's really funny. And I was excited to see her like, you know, bust out into a different type of role. Um, and yeah, just that movie really fell flat. How much of that was because of COVID versus, you know, any sort of like other types of like production or storyboarding issues that went, went on? We'll not know, but definitely like I remember we watched that Christmas weekend when it came out. And it was just really disappointing. We had to watch like two Hallmark movies afterwards to get the race out. <laughs> so that basically wraps up the, what we've gotten so far because, you know, the James Gunn, the Suicide Squad, I believe, will can move us forward to his new universe. We talked about Shazam. Um, we have a couple of projects later this year coming still, like The Flash, Blue Beetle, Aquaman 2. So we, we have a couple of things left. We'll see what stays and what doesn't. But... You know, um, we, we had spoke a couple of weeks ago about, you know, what we want to see from the DC universe moving forward. And I think you thought of a couple more things you wanted to throw in there real quick. Yes. So uh, very quickly, The Suicide Squad, top tier. James yep. Gunn, keep doing what you're doing. Black Adam, dumpster fire that is somehow even more on fire. It's like if you took a dumpster fire and then somehow set that on fire again, just absolutely awful, atrocious, so bad. Nothing about that was redeeming. The Rock's charisma could not save any portion of that movie. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, and yeah, moving forward. Uh, so one thing that I thought about that I thought would be really cool to expand on, um, I'm all about the guy in blue for Superman. So I think what would be really cool, and whether this is going to be, what did they call it? Superman Legacy? Is that uh, the one that we're getting? I believe so. Yeah, so whether you make it Superman Legacy or you completely go like with a, a sequel to Superman with this new one, I want to see Brainiac as the villain. It's a good idea, and I think Justice League level threat-wise as well, you know, the great villain idea there to kind of lay those seeds 
with the solo movie first. Uh, I like the approach they made in Smallville with Brainiac, making him like, um, like an, almost like an anti-hero for a minute and like they're a recurring character. There's so much you could do with Brainiac, not only as the main Brainiac, but the other iterations of Brainiac. So, so many cool stories that, you know, the, the casual moviegoers don't know and so much potential to be unfolded if they go those routes. Yeah. The other one that I would have that, um, you know, if you're like, if you've watched Young Justice or specifically, I don't remember if it was just called Legion of Superheroes, but it was a show that was on Kids WB when I was a child that I remember watching and it got me into their comics. Um, I'd also like to see, you know, Superman Legacy. That tells me that we're going to get like Superman's son. So, you know, we might see sort of like a Superboy type of scenario play out. I want to see the Legion of Superheroes where they yoink Superboy, you know, like adolescent teenage Superboy and throw him into the future because they need his help to deal with something. And I want to see like Legion of Superheroes because they've got a lot of like quirky, zany, ridiculous characters like Karate Kid, Bouncing Boy, <laughs> a Brainiac 5, which yeah. is like the first Brainiac that's like a good guy. And he's like trying to redeem the other four Brainiacs and how awful they were. And I think that would be like a really cool ensemble type of movie that they could do. Um, those are like really the two big ones. Both of them are definitely Superman-esque focused. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about like what we want to see, I want to see those. And then I still think the question in the forms of like a true detective, like dark and gritty, like Bloodhaven or Gotham City, I think could, I think that could oh, yeah. slap. That would be like a dark horse the way that The Last of Us was for HBO. Like that would be the Sunday night. It's like, bro, what is the question going to find out? Like it's, it would be sick. So I saw two things on Twitter yesterday that I didn't text you about because I was hoping you didn't see them. I was going to tell you on the podcast now. Um, okay. One's good and one's bad. Uh, so there Give me the bat. So there was a Star Wars movie that has now been scrapped. That was a secret Star Wars movie written by Damon Lindelof. Oh, really? In that kind yeah. of mm-hmm. cans? Well, he, well, I guess he left the project. The director is still attached, but yeah, he's no longer on the project. And the, the good news um, was, hang on, I, I lost my train of thought here. One second. Oh, uh, yes, uh, the Daniels are uh, directing some of Skeleton Crew, the upcoming Star Wars show. The Daniels from Everything yes. Everywhere? Yes. What? Yes. Oh, that's hype. I'm yep. excited for that. Yep. Glad I didn't see this. News. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. So I figured you'd, you'd like that. Um, but yeah, um, I think... Overall, you know, the DCEU, the Snyderverse, whatever we want to call it, whatever it goes down in history, as infamous as it was, seems to be coming to an end. There were a few shining stars, but overall, it, like you said, it was kind of a dumpster fire, especially towards the end of Black Adam and things like that. Um, I'm excited to see what comes with James Gunn. We'll, we don't have to wait too long. Uh, 2025 is what they're saying for Superman Legacy. We'll see if it hits that date. Um, James Gunn has been officially tied to direct and right now as well. So uh, when we first talked about this, he hadn't been officially announced to direct it. So that's good. So that, that is good news. I think for that movie, um, uh, this upcoming week, you know, this weekend we have John wick four coming out. Um, I will try and see this in theaters, hopefully before next week's podcast, probably not this weekend. Um, but maybe early next week before the podcast, I do want to go. I'm sure you've already bought your tickets. Oh yeah, I'm seeing it Saturday in the AM. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, John Wick is definitely the big one. One thing, um, just as far as like upcoming things, John Wick is absolutely the biggest. 
Um, but another one that I want to put on people's radar right now as early as possible, um, shockingly, is the Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. When this got announced, I thought, oh no, they're going to ruin this. It's going to be a dumpster fire. It's going to be a Black Adam, you know, obviously Black Adam hadn't come out then, but you know, it, just in terms of like what I was expecting, I was expecting this to be absolutely atrocious, but the early, like they've gotten the reviews already are starting to come out two weeks in advance. Whenever you get early reviews, unlike early tracking numbers, early reviews matter and they are a big sign for how confident a studio is in a movie and how just inherently good a movie is. The earlier reviews drop, the better it is because they want to get as much good word of mouth out there for it. And everything that I have seen from these early reviews, this movie actually has the potential to be really, really good. And like, I'm, I'm talking like, not in terms of like critical goodness as the Lord of the Rings, but in terms of if you've never read Tolkien, but have watched Lord of the Rings and you enjoyed it, the same thing goes here. Like, you don't have to play Dungeons and Dragons to go into this and just have a really fun time with, like, a cool fantasy setting with charismatic characters. Um, like, I mean, it's being led by Chris Pine. If there's ever a soapbox that I'm going to get on top of and, like, beg people to, like, keep your eyes on, you know, you don't necessarily have to buy tickets now, but watch the reviews, you know, see the, the scores come out, and then consider going to see this, because whenever a studio takes a chance on something like this that has the potential to be absolute dog water and then it actually ends up being good, we need to show up in theaters and give them the money to prove that it wasn't a mistake and so that we can get more projects like that. Maybe not even a Dungeons & Dragons sequel, but, you know, just more projects that are kind of out there because that's how we got John Wick. Yeah. Like, that movie did not perform super great at the time, but it got really positive word of mouth and it got us a sequel. And, like, look, now we're talking about how it's one of the best action franchises ever and we're, we've got the fourth one coming out. And again... That one is, like, very positively uh, reviewed so far in terms of, like, this is exactly what I wanted out of a sequel. Yep. So, that is my tangent about Dungeons & Dragons. I'm not telling you to go see it, but I'm telling you to consider it and keep your eyes open for it. Um, because this actually looks like it might be a good, a legitimately good movie. And if it is, then then you should see it. <laughs> then I am telling you to go see it. And, and I'm calling it right now, um, whether it's Marvel or DC... Uh, Regé Jean Page or whatever. I don't know how to say his name uh, normally. Uh, he will become a superhero in the next five years. I am confident in that decision. I think as soon as I saw him in Bridgerton, you know, I think he is for sure going to be snagged by either Marvel or DC. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, he's uh, he's got a character role in Dungeons & Dragons. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you've only seen him in Bridgerton or you haven't seen him in anything... Uh, then go see Dungeons and Dragons because you'll get to see him be like this, like a funny paladin type of character. And yeah, I, I totally see him being, uh, I assuming he has the interest for it, which I assume is there since he's in D and D I'm assuming that he has an interest to like be a big character in some big blockbustery franchise moving forward. I would not be shocked at all as, as that either. That is, that's a good bet. Yeah, and uh, so last week, if you somehow made it to the end of the episode, despite all the audio issues and everything, I made a promise for music. Um, that music is now here. The music will be in this episode for the intro and the outro. So please let us know what you think. You know, uh, it was something that we kind of had this idea for 
we kind of put our heads together to make this this sound and uh we hope you like it i'm I'm excited for everyone to hear it for sure yeah i'm a big fan of it it's definitely got some ties into like i'm pretty sure i told you like my sort of like inspiration for like what i wanted out of our music was like a pokemon route meets like dragon quest meets like maybe a little bit of like persona boss fight music and i i think uh we've got like a little bit of everything in those elements yeah really like, like the it. the game of thrones type esque like i feel like when we when you hear this but you already would have heard it at this point it's like you're going on a quest and you know with our title being endgame heroes we are not a reference to marvel's endgame we are a reference to the endgame overall whether it's you know endgame story endgame video games the uh the marvel's endgame just happens to be a fun little nod but yeah our name is not based off of marvel's endgame and like let's be real here we go on a lot of little side quests with our conversations absolutely babbling so it's uh it's fitting in so many ways so i hope you guys um let us know what you think because we are always trying to make this podcast the best that it can be because uh, it's a lot of fun and we have fun doing it and we have fun improving so I think with that, feel pretty good. I think we can wrap this up unless there's anything you want to... No, I think we're good. You know, uh, we don't have it set in stone yet, but I, I want to try and get us a nice little exit once uh, we, you know, know. <laughs> As opposed to our funny little same bad time. But, you know, uh, with once you hear the music, I think, you know, you'll, you'll see what we're going for. So hopefully by next week we have, you know, a, a more concise intro and outro plan for you guys. Uh, we are excited for things to keep going. This was episode what, six already, so or is it seven now? I think it's episode seven. Seven. So, yeah, so we're we're moving along. It's almost been two months of this, so we're having a great time and looking forward to uh, the future episodes to next week. You know, until then, I've been Kyle, my best friend Jack here. If you check us out on the socials, if you, uh, you know, have any suggestions, comments, feedback, anything at all, we'd love to hear it. For sure. Peace. Until next time.